On the podcast this past week, we had on Clay Ballard of Top Speed Golf. We had a great conversation on what it takes or what are some concepts that you can experiment with and explore to potentially hit the ball farther. It was a great chat. Hope that you enjoyed that. And then after we had that conversation, we went through a round of quick questions with Clay so we could get to know him a little bit better. What's your favorite piece of gear? Could be anything that you've gotten lately that you really like. I'm big on uh, so Snell golf balls. I don't know if you've tried those. Um, it's not really gear, but they make basically Dean Snell, the guy that, that invented the Pro V1 and, and made a lot of the tailor-made golf balls. He's basically making a, a tour caliber golf ball, and they're about 32 bucks a dozen or something like that. So I've been using those and playing around with them for a while. But, man, it's it's I probably like it better than... I used to play with Pro VX. I like it better than a Pro VX, and it's a little cheaper, so it's pretty cool. Pretty cool golf ball. Nice, nice. Favorite club in your golf bag? I've always loved hitting the driver. I mean, there's something about hitting it far, and I've always been a pretty good driver of the golf ball. So I use a I use a Ping I-15 driver. The thing's like, I don't know how many years old, like eight years old. I've tried out all the new stuff, M1, M2, M3, all, that, all the different drivers, and I hit this one way better than any of the new stuff, so... That's probably not very good for selling drivers, but that's that's <laughs> that's how it's working for me. There you go. What kind of uh, like what's the shaft or what's the specs of of that club that's so magical? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Is you just get a feel for it, and it just works really good. So I get good launch and spin rates and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like I can just you know try to swing as hard as I can, and I know it's going to stay in the fairway. So it's a it's an Axiv core is the name of it. It's UST Mamiya shaft. It's a sixty nine gram extra stiff tipped about an inch or so so it just works out good for for my swing i guess i agree there's something about finding a driver combo there you can swing as hard as you want i've just recently found that and um there's something about that that really helps you just like man i can just take a rip at this thing and i feel pretty good about it yeah talk about a good feeling you know because you get a driver sometimes and they just don't fit you for whatever reason i bought 500 hundred dollar drivers trying to replace this thing. And I, I'm on about my third one because just whenever the face cracks every few years, you just replace it with a, a used one off eBay. I think this one cost me 80 bucks the last one. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> Everybody yeah. hang on to your yeah. I-15s and then sell them back to Clay at, a, at an upcharge. You that's your. Uh, that's, that's right. Just hit them up on Twitter. <laughs> hey, I've got another one for you. Favorite golf course or golf trip? Anything stand out to you? The favorite golf course of all time is in, is in Alberta, Canada. I don't know the city name, but it's uh, it's called Silvertip. This place is crazy. I went there when I was about ten or eleven years old, twelve years old, something like that. When I when I first started playing golf on a family vacation, and it's like it's nuts. If you if you Google it, it's it's right in the middle of these big mountains. It's crazy. It's the best course I've ever played by far. I will check that one out. Who's been a big influence on your golf career as as a teacher, as a golfer? Who do you look to as your influences? I think a lot of it is just growing up like in the right time at the right place. So we always had a really good golf team in high school and the the head pro, his son, it was in the, the hometown I grew up in, Bobby Baldwin, still at Winchester Country Club in Winchester, Kentucky. And uh, so that was really good because John Baldwin, his son and his, his older son, Robbie Baldwin, we all three played a lot growing up. And then we had a group of like 20 guys on our golf team when we were in high school and he didn't even let you, uh, the coach Wes Martin would let you join the team even when you're in like eighth grade. So it took it real serious and there was always tons of guys to play with. And this is really cool to be able to grow up like a good group of people to play with. So that's just kind of, kind of dumb luck, uh, just falling into that, I guess. And then 
lately, I know you've done some stuff with uh, Sasha McKenzie, but I think he's really helped my my teaching here a lot, learning a lot of the science of forces and motion that are going in the club and stuff like that. Him and uh, Phil Cheatham have a great training that I highly recommend for anybody. And I think that's been really eye-opening for me. A lot of cool stuff in there that's very counterintuitive, not not things that you would, would think should be happening and uh, and how that affects the golf club and specifically the golf face. You know, if you want to, if you want to be consistent, you got to do a few things like shallow the club shaft and the early transition really make that a lot easier. So that's some, that's some good stuff in there. What worries you the most about the golfers that you help about the golfers that you see in the industry? I think I spend the most time like is the most aggravating part is not necessarily having the right information to say to someone, but saying it in a way to where it's going to help them and be the easiest to implement in their game. So I try to put together a lot of programs and spend a lot of time, not only just throwing together information, but going through and trying out multiple drills, you know, which ones are going to be the most effective for somebody to try and see results right away. And sometimes that takes a lot of time to put together a program doing that because you may have to try out 10 or 15 or 20 different ways of saying something to figure out the best way to get it to click for somebody. But, you know, that's that's also the fun part, too. It's kind of a little bit like a puzzle trying to figure it out. If it was easy, it'd probably be boring. Hey, I mean, you're, you're prolific at putting out great content. Over the past year, what do you think has made the biggest difference in your ability to get results for, for players? Just testing. I used to never. I think I, when I started teaching, you know, you just have these ideas and think, oh, this is a great idea. Like, I, I got this theory, right? And then you go out and you start doing it and... It's very easy, and I see a lot of coaches do this, and it drives me nuts, is they'll just have a theory, and they'll go out and start teaching it. And if it's not working for somebody, then they just say, oh, well, he he just hasn't gotten it yet, or we'll just keep doing this. And a lot of times, I'll see players, which I think is very frustrating for the player. They'll work on something for three, four, five, six months and not be getting the results that they want to get, but they just keep grinding away at it. And I I just don't believe in that anymore. Like, just test it. If it works, then you should be getting positive results. If it doesn't work, then just quit doing it and find something else that's that's better. You know, life's too short to spend years working on some theory that may or may not be true. You know, I know you have some tech. What's your most used tech in your testing and you're trying to figure stuff out? What do you use the most? I use radars all the time. So I got a, I got a GC quad um, is the latest radar I got. And I got an older uh, flight scope X2 Elite. That's a good radar. I mean, you can pick those up for relatively well it's they're all expensive but relatively affordable if you get to use one of those now and that makes teaching so easy just because you you talk about an idea and then you say okay here's here's how this should change your impact you know let's see your speed go up two or three miles an hour you make a swing and either it's going up or it's not going up probably the one that's the best for the consumer i don't know do you have mostly coaches or or players on the podcast you think um we're mostly golfers now we're about probably 60 40 70 30 here yeah so Swing Caddy makes a SC200, which is a little portable radar, which shows your swing speed and some different data on there. And those are really good. Uh, those are probably about, I think they're about 300 bucks. I, I like to use those a lot. We use those in our distance clinics. You know, every person will have one while they're, while they're going through the clinic. And then uh, just a little really easy to use indoor product is the one that, that we talked about is the the swing speed radar. It's about 100, 120 bucks or something like that, I think. The cool thing about that is you can practice your distance, practice making swings and get immediate feedback without even being outside of the course. So if you want to, you know, you get home from work, you got five minutes, you want to make 10, 15 swings, throw that thing down, make some swings and get get immediate feedback. So, you know, if what you're working on is right or wrong, at least in regards to swing speed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, any books, not necessarily golf related, but books that you've read lately that you feel like that have helped you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've read a ton. I, I really like to, I'm a big audible or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Audible.com, the website I, I probably read, I listen to, I don't read very much anymore, but I listen to probably 40 or 50 different books a year, but uh peak by Kay Anders Erickson is like awesome for coaching. If you're, if you're into coaching and learning fast and you want to learn ways to really improve your ability to pick up a new motion in your golf swing or whatever, then uh, he's got a lot of good info in there. So it's a uh, peak, like the peak of a mountain P E A K and it's by Kay Anders Erickson who's a big time researcher and, uh, and just a lot of basically ways to learn faster kind of came up. He's famous a little bit for, uh, it's a bit misunderstood, but the 10,000 hour rule from, um, what was the book? Malcolm Gladwell book outliers outliers. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the guy that kind of came up with that 10,000 hour rule. It's not really the way that Malcolm Gladwell talked about it is a little bit different. It's not actually 10,000. It could be variable. And uh, I'm actually going to talk a little bit today in this podcast about one of the things that he goes over in there, which I think is, is really good. Love it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books. I think it's just well-written, easy to understand, um, yeah. not super difficult to read, and some great the great uh, research that uh, it's trying to explain. So, yeah, highly yeah. recommend that one as well, I would say. We'll end with this one. So, you could write something on every golfer's golf club. So, every time they look down before they hit a shot, they, they saw a phrase or something that you wanted to impress on them. What would you put there? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's a little different for everybody. Uh, if we're sticking with the topic we're going to go over today, which is distance, is just, you know, go ahead and rip it. Don't don't hold back and you try to guide it. Everybody wants to slow down and kind of steer the ball in the fairway. And what ends up happening is you swing slower, you hit it shorter, and then you still don't really hit it any straighter. So it's always better to be confident, go ahead and make a good swing at it, and let the results come out as they come out rather than trying to, to steer to grab it. 